Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, We are now looking at chapter 4. You know, this uh, Corinth was a carnal place. You know, it was a trade uh, center, booming center, a lot of commerce going through it, a lot of diversity in the population, a lot of different, you know, types of people living there. So Paul is speaking to the early Christians there. Um, I suppose some of them were Jews, some of them were Gentiles. But um, in any event, um, he's sort of um, trying to let them see that, you know, uh, as we've studied, that they are, um, there's division in the church because they're living more like worldly people even though they're claiming to be Christians, there's, there's, their value systems are still of the world. And um, we were talking about uh, the gospel of Christ crucified on the cross is foolish to everyone else, uh, to the unsaved, to the natural man. Uh, but it's almost like with Christ, you've got to become a fool for Christ. And these carnal Christians were people who were claiming to be Christians, you know. They were saying, okay, well, I believe it, but they're still living on the worldly food, acting like unbelievers. There's not a, a big difference between these Christians and the and the unbelievers because they were both still, um, their their value systems are both still based on the same things. So Paul's been kind of, in the last few chapters, sort of saying like, "What are you? What kind of materials are you building with?" You know, rhetorical questions on on building and metaphors here. If you, are you building on things that are are going to last, or are you going to build things that are going to be consumed by the fires? You know, like straw. Are you building your house out of straw uh, or hay or wood? It's going to get consumed. You need to use things that are going to last. So he's circling around on on living spiritually here. So now he's talking about how people regard ministers of Christ like because there's a 
he's there giving ministry. Peter was there uh, or, you know, had a, a message and then Apollos and different people. So like you could imagine different people are sort of congregating to these different personalities. And so Paul's saying, no, 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 it's all about Christ. It's not about the worldly view about things. It's not about who, you know, personalities you're viewing. It's all Christ. So with that perspective, let's jump in and, and listen to his uh, letter now in chapter 4, verse 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the ministry, the mysteries of God. Okay, that's how you should look at us. Nothing else. It's all about Christ and stewards of these ministries of God. Verse 2, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or in human court. Okay. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Okay. So don't pronounce, so therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So Paul is, you know, and McGee makes the point that there's three kind of courtrooms. There's the courtroom by humans, by people around you. They're always judging and then there's the judgment on yourself, your own conscience. And then there's the judgment that God gives us. So, and he's saying to them, the only one that, the only judgment that, that matters is the judgment that God gives us. He's the one who re- will reveal the purposes of the heart. Okay? So, that's the judgment he's saying, worry about. Verse 6, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollo's. For your benefit. In other words, we're just showing ourselves as an example, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. In other words, don't start judging people. Don't go beyond what is written. That none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against the other. Verse 7, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you didn't receive? In other words, everything you've got comes from God. Why are you trying to judge somebody else? If you're judging somebody else, you're judging what God gave them. If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So in other words, if you're boasting in yourself, you're really boasting in something that that you're sort of saying you didn't even receive because you're talking about yourself more. Anything good comes from God. Verse 8, already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. Without us, you have become kings. He's talking about sort of material blessings versus the spiritual blessings. Without us, you've become kings. And would that, and would that you did reign, in other words, as if you were a king, so that we might share the rule with you. For I think, I think that God has exhibited us Apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. In other words, you want to look around and talk about material stuff? We're the worst. You want to hold one of us up and higher esteem the other? We've lost everything. We're fools, verse 10, for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. 
We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. In other words, the apostles have it worse than everybody. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We're poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Paul's saying, look, don't get puffed up about who's the greatest of us. We take ourselves to be the lowest. And compared to us, you guys are already kings. I don't write these things, verse 14, to make you ashamed, but to admonish you. As my beloved children, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Verse 16, I urge you then to be imitators of me. So in other words, he's saying, look, I've taught you the gospel. So imitate me if you're going to imitate anybody. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some of you are arrogant, though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? So he's kind of asking a lot of rhetorical questions here also. And of course they don't want him to come with a rod, but they want him to come in a loving spirit. So he's saying, then imitate my loving spirit and follow my example in Christ to you, if you're going to follow anything. So that's what we need. To, he's talking about how to live in the spirit. And don't judge one another. So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this study today. Um, And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you next time here tomorrow as we continue our study through this really great book of 1 Corinthians. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, all the way through to verse 21. So in this chapter... We have the last chapter in which Paul is dealing with the divisions and the party spirit that was in the church in Corinth. In this chapter, he speaks of the conditions of Christ's servants, and this is what should constrain Christian conduct. So verse 1 of chapter 4 in first corinthians reads let a man so consider us as servants of christ and stewards of the mysteries of god 
So all believers are ministers of Christ. You know, you're a minister, I'm a minister of Christ. I mean, I don't have to go to theology school to be a minister of Christ. We are all ministers of Christ. So it's so easy today for Christians to actually remove themselves and point at someone as being their minister. You know, people say, oh, hey, this is my minister and all. And, you know, and, you know, Christians remove themselves from that responsibility. So we're all ministers of Christ. All believers are ministers of Christ and responsible to Christ, to God. So we have no right to sit in judgment of others, especially the, those that at least think they are doing God's will. Because, you know, if you're a believer and there's someone else who's at least making an effort to do God's will, as a believer, if I'm not doing anything about it, I don't, even if I'm doing something about it, I have no right to sit in judgment uh, about um, another believer. So ministers stand before a higher court than you and me. As ministers, even you and me as believers, we're going to stand before a higher court than the judgment that's around us. And then here, verse 1 actually, it says, um, as ser- Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So a steward is one who had charge of giving out the things that were in the house, that were in the temple. For example, the food, the clothes, and, you know, those things that were actually needed. And the minister today is, in that sense, is one that should actually dispense the word of God. So, here, it's also talked about, this verse is talked about the mysteries of God. So, the mysteries of God are those things that had not been revealed before the... That had not actually been revealed before. So the mysteries of those things that cannot be understood by the natural man. We had talked about, you know, um, what a natural man can and cannot understand. You have to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit in order for us to actually understand certain mysteries. And they can only be revealed the, um, with the help of the Holy Spirit. So only the Spirit of God can take the things of Christ and show them unto us and... This is the mystery, and it's the gospel here. So the, that's the mystery that Paul is talking about here. So the word of God is the mystery, the gospel. So we are stewards of the mysteries of God, so we dispense that. So in the mystery parable discourse in Matthew 13, the Lord concluded it by actually asking if they understood these things. And, you know, obviously they said they understood, but they hadn't yet understood and all because, you know, they were still babes in Christ. So they said they did. So we'll go with they did. And the Lord Jesus Christ did say this. A household of stewards brings forth from his treasure things both new and old. And the, this is... N- this is what today a steward should be doing, bringing forth from the word of God things new and things old. So this is a high calling. 
and a privilege. It's a high calling for us. So we are all preachers. We are ministers. So we preach by our lives, by our action, by how we live our lives. We say something by our lives. You know how we're living our lives speaks volumes to the people around us. So if we are believers, what kind of message are we actually giving? Okay, verse 2 goes on to read. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So the important thing about a steward is, you know, not him being eloquent or having many gifts, but it's required of of stewards that they be found faithful. That's the most important thing, to be faithful. Verse 3 goes on to read, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Verse 4, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. So we have here the three courts. Paul uh, talks about the three different ways in which we are judged. That's all of us um, actually have to appear before in our lives. Uh, So he spoke about his being... um, Sorry, he spoke about us, not him. He uh, He spoke about us, including himself, being answerable to a higher court. In uh, verse 1, when we, verse 1 of this chapter, so he's answerable to a higher court. So the reason that we have no right to actually sit in judgment of others is because we will stand before a higher court as well. I mean, if we sit in judgment of others, we're trying to play God. And, but we will also be judged by a higher court. So the first court... Um, so the first court that here Paul actually has highlighted, so these are, that's the opinion of others. Um, that's the first court. These are the others. So here we have, but that's verse three. Let me just read that again. But with me, it is very small, but sorry, let me just read that again. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. So it's the judgment of others. Um, and uh, Paul was not callous or contemptuous um, of others' opinions. And it didn't actually mean that he didn't value the judgment of others. Paul defended his apostleship with great feeling when challenged by others and was always hurt by false rumors. And if we drop down to verse... 11 through to 13 it actually reads to be the present hour we both hunger and thirst and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless and we labor working with our own hands being uh, reviled with we bless being persecuted we endure being defamed we entreat we have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. So he actually speaks of this. You know, he did get hurt by the uh, false rumors that went round, and 
he did value um the judgment of others so he was actually quite sensitive to the opinion of others but he was not swayed by what others thought of his life um and his life was not directed by others opinions but today you know you do find like a lot of politicians um their lives are actually swayed by the opinions by people's opinions so whether we like it or not we all stand before the judgment seat of others you know you may try to be like really nice and and all that kind of stuff but there will always be somebody out there to judge you and me so we can't avoid this so there is a danger to defer to the opinion of others if you actually just care too much what others think so paul was swayed but never changed um but about you know what others had an opinion of him about so he was just he was swayed because he's he was human after all so the court that's higher than the opinion of others is another court that's and that's oneself so the opinion of others you know um first there's the opinion of others that's the first court and then the opinion of others is higher than the court of than the um the, the opinion of oneself is higher than the the opinion of others that's um that's this court that's the conscious so the conscious as paul has stated is not a safe guide as well it's not accurate so we are to be led by the spirit let me just read verse 3 again and verse 4 says but with me it is but with me it is a very small thing that i should be judged by you or by him or by a human court in fact i do not even judge myself so he does not judge himself so he's not a safe guide we ought to be led by the spirit so the christian should have an enlightened conscience, and when it rules us we should listen to it and obey it and when it appeals to our vanity and flatters us we should be aware of it so all of us actually stand or fall before this particular court this is something today that an honest man will not be influenced by and guided by others but what he thinks is right and yet paul says he didn't follow it so he refused to actually pass final judgment on himself it's actually characteristic of human nature to be very harsh on others but easy on ourselves like you we tend to like mm, kind of like just be softer and nicer on ourselves and reassure ourselves and this was david's problem you know when we actually you know remember back in the book of kings it was david's problem he could see the evil in someone else when nathan the prophet actually told him about um you know that short little story about a man who had is it one calf and um, the king wanted it and you know he could see the evil in someone else then than in himself so we don't stand or fall before ourselves because god may reverse the decision of this court and then the third court is the court of the one and only master the bamer of christ verse 4 actually reads for i know of nothing against myself yet i am not justified by this but he who judges me is the lord so he says he will stand 
someday before the judgment seat of Christ. So all of us actually will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We will appear before this court. Uh, that's the judgment seat of Christ. So we will be judged there. So what will we be judged um, there for when we get to the judgment seat of Christ? It's not our sins because our sins are already removed and... Um, you know, God remembers them no more. So they are under the blood. So we'll, we'll, however, be judged on our stewardship. Like we said earlier on, when we just began the study, a steward, who is a steward? So a steward is um, one who had charge of giving out the things that were in the house of God. So, we will be judged on our stewardship and our physical possessions. You know, that is our bodies, our material resources, our giving will be judged. So, this is very important to be your steward. We own nothing here on earth. Everything is owned by God. So, all things are owned by God. Um, all things are Christ's. So, we belong to him and we are in partnership with him. So, if we go back to chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, it actually reads, Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, all things present, all things to come are all yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. So, you know, all things are of Christ. You know, we shall die one day. Death is not uh to matter to us we are to actually sorry not matter i mean death is not a master to us we actually are to be the masters of death because christ conquered death he died and rose and giving us hope that um blessed hope that we look forward to so death is ours things to come are ours you know everything this shall come to pass everything shall come to pass and we should look forward to that um, promised blessed hope for the future so we will stand before god someday so we should live in the like of that we should be very careful and mindful how we live our lives here on earth Verse 5 goes on to read, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of our hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. So when we actually sit in judgment of others, <clears throat> we take God's place. And we are not perfect because we shall also be judged. So we should be careful today how we live our lives because whatever is in the darkness will be revealed. Even the most, you know, hidden things in our hearts, the counsel of our hearts, it will be revealed when Christ comes. So every saint of God will find something to praise God for. So we will all have to praise, um, we will all have the praise of God, we will all, all glory in God. Verse 6 goes on to read, now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn 
in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. So Paul says he's actually using this as an illustration for them. So Paul and Apollos were friends. So we all belong to Christ and Christ to us. And here each one is exercising his gift. I mean, Apollos is exercising his gift and Paul is exercising his gift, but they're all working for the common goal. Um, that's unifying the church and preaching the word of God. Then they may have different styles and different gifts, but they're all working for Christ. Verse 7 goes on to read, For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So here, if you have a gift today, you don't have anything to actually boast about. Because God gave you that gift. You didn't do it on your own. God gave it to you. You're not the originator at all. So we should thank God for our gifts and not boast about them. That's what Paul is saying here. Verse 8 goes on to read. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign that we also might reign with you. So Paul here is wishing, you know, um, he wishes God could actually come so that he would reign with them. Verse 9 goes on to read, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, lost as men, condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men, so, you know, there was a great, actually, martyr period in the church in the time of Paul. So they were set before the world as a spectacle. You know, he says, both to men and to angels. And angels here refers to the church. So other men have actually labored. Paul and Apollos and Cephas and all the apostles, they have labored. They were martyred during that period. I was reading somewhere, and it's kind of gory, that um the prophet Isaiah was sawed into half. Okay, that was a you know, horrid time. So other men have labored and we actually entered into their labor. So we have it easy. Verse 10 goes on to read, We are fools for Christ's sake, but we are wise in Christ. We are weak, but we are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. So Paul states what he had gone through that we may have this epistle. And he did go through a lot so that we may actually have this epistle. Verse 11 goes on to read, To the present hour we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. So this is the position he actually took. So he suffered a lot in order to actually get the gospel of Christ out. He evangelized Asia Minor in the province of Asia, both Jew and Gentile heard God's word. And, um, you know, the rest, verse 12 to 13 and to 14, actually, we had actually read about. Now, how Paul actually um, felt, you know, um, through the critics and everything he had gone through, you know, to just get the gospel and this episode out. So I'll drop down to verse 15. And verse 15 reads, For through you might have 
10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So it's nice to actually be a spiritual mentor to someone you have led to Christ, you know, to just guide the person. Because, you know, you are giving them hope. Um, you know, the blessed hope that we should look forward to. He giving them eternal life. Verse, dropping down to verse 17, it reads, For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So Timothy was his convert, was Paul's convert. And you know, Paul was his mentor. Verse 18 goes on to read, Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. Verse 19, But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Verse 20, For the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. Verse 21, What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or with love and a spirit of gentleness. So their attitude uh, and action will determine that. So how are they? Are they puffed up? You know, do they are they stewards or ministers of the word? Um, or are they just causing strife and confusion in the church? So like I said earlier on in this study, in this chapter. Uh, Paul is dealing with the divisions and the party spirit. So there was divisions and strife and the party spirit in the church of Corinth. And it speaks of the conditions of uh, Christ's servants. Um, and this is what should actually constrain Christian conduct. So this is our teaching for today. Thank you all very much for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.